Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Give him one more shout of praise. I'm going to go right into the word of the Lord this morning. Is that okay? And while we're here together, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. When you get there, say amen. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. I brought mine. I'll tell you what it says. Good to see you all today. Wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. This is what the word says. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. This morning, I want to talk to you about the power of hospitality. The power of of hospitality. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would give us revelation. Lord, not the kind of revelation that we have often sought, but the kind of revelation that you are highlighting in this season. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The power of hospitality. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Paul is speaking to the church at Rome and he says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And then he says this in verse 14, Share with God's people who are in need. Share with God's people who are in who are in need. I looked at it in the Greek and what it actually says is fellowship with the needs of the saints. Fellowship, the word there for share is the word koinonia where we get our word fellowship from. It means communion or intimate acquaintance. Literally be intimately acquainted with the needs of the saints. And the word saints in the Greek literally means holy ones. Be intimately acquainted with the needs of the holy ones. And then it says here, practice hospitality. In the Greek, it says pursue or chase hospitality. Chase it down. Be in pursuit of hospitality. Run after hospitality. And these two commands are connected. Be intimately acquainted with the needs of the saints. Fellowship with the needs of the saints by pursuing hospitality. By chasing hospitality down. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of hospitality. 
Hospitality is a gift that seems like a small gift. It seems like a little gift. It seems like an almost insignificant gift. If we pray to God for gifts of the Holy Spirit, almost none of us have ever gone into our prayer closet and said, Lord, give me hospitality. Give me the gift of hospitality. What we want is healing or miracles or prophecy or tongues or interpretation. But there's a gift that God is highlighting in this season in the body of Christ. And that gift is the gift of hospitality. And the reason we have not looked down on it, the reason we have not pursued it, the reason we have not chased after it or practiced it is because we have not understood the power of it. But now God is highlighting the power of this gift. And by the end of this message today, you're going to resolve in your heart to pursue the gift of hospitality and you're going to eat its fruit. Are you ready? Now, what the gift of hospitality is, is really not just opening the doors of our home to one another. Hospitality doesn't simply mean that even if I don't like you, i got to let you in my house. Hospitality doesn't simply mean that i got to be nice to people that I can't stand. Hospitality means that when I see you, I see more than you. Hospitality means that I recognize the presence of God in you, and I've learned how to honor the presence of God in you. It means that when I open the door to my house and invite you in, I'm not just inviting you in, but I'm, I'm inviting in the God who dwells in you. So I'm actually recognizing the presence of God. And one of the reasons why hospitality is weak in the house of God is because we have not learned how to discern the Lord's body. We have not learned how to recognize one another as servants of God in whom dwells the very presence of God. Now we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and he's talking to them about what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. And in communion and the Lord's Supper, for those of you who might not know, we take the little cracker, it's what we do, right? We take the little cracker and the little juice and we wait until everybody's got a little cracker and a little juice. And then somebody stands at the front and says, lift up the cracker. We lift up the cracker. And the person at the front says, this is the body of Christ which was broken for you. He commanded us to do this in remembrance of him. And we say a prayer, and then we eat the cracker, and then we say the same thing over the juice. This is the blood of Jesus Christ. Do this in remembrance of him. We say a prayer. We say amen. We drink the juice. And then we go on with the worship service, and we sing some more songs, and we hear a word. And it seems pretty ritualistic, doesn't it? But actually, Paul points out here in 1 Corinthians 11 that partaking of the body and blood of the Lord is far from a ritual. It is not a ritual. Why? Because a ritual cannot kill you. He says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when you've come together to partake of the body and blood of the Lord, you've done it the wrong way, and because of that, God has killed some of the members of your congregation. And he says, because of it, many of you are sick. Many of you are weak and sick, not because of your diet, but because you have not discerned the Lord's body. Look at what he says in verse 30. He says in verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many are, many of you sleep. It's a, it's a euphemism for death. God has judged people in your congregation and killed them. I know I wouldn't get any amens on that. He says in verse 17, he says, uh, 
when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Literally, he's saying, when we come to talking about the body and blood of the Lord, you're coming to church does you no good. Matter of fact, you're worse off after coming to church than you were before you came to church. He says, it would have been better for you not to come to church. Why? He goes on to say, you did not discern the Lord's body. Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. In the NIV, it says, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So Paul is saying, you better recognize the body and blood of the Lord before you partake of it. You better recognize that that's not just a cracker. And that's not just some juice. God takes that little cracker and that juice extremely seriously. Serious enough to kill you or heal you. If you take it in an unworthy manner, God just might kill you. Depending on how he's feeling that day. (laughs) And if you take it in a worthy manner, he just might heal you. It's that powerful. So you better recognize that this is more than a cracker. It's not just crackers and juice. It's more than that. There's divine power at work when we come together to partake of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, Paul describes the problem at Corinth. What was the problem? Why was God's judgment coming upon the church for the way in which they partook of the body and blood of the Lord? Well, he says, first of all, in verse 18, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. He describes those divisions. Verse 20, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat of the Lord's Supper. He says, because you are divided when you partake, it's not the Lord's Supper anymore. The Lord said, that's not my body. No, but we got the cracker. I don't care if it's a cracker. It's not my body. Why? Because there's divisions among you. And you think that you can be divided and still partake of the bread and it be my body. The Lord said, that's not the Lord's Supper anymore. Verse 21. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. Can you imagine somebody getting drunk on communion wine? That's what was happening in the Corinthian church. A lot of people say in the New Testament, when they, in, the, in the Bible days, when they drank wine, there was no alcohol in it. No, there was alcohol in it. Now, if somebody from the early church came to our church when we partook of communion, they'd laugh at us. They'd pass around these little pieces of cracker and little t- tiny vials of juice. they like, what's this? They're like, it's communion. What's that? You know, the Eucharist, the body and blood of the Lord. And they would laugh. They would fall on the floor and roll around laughing at us. That's communion? They had a feast in the early church. Everybody wanted communion Sunday. Communion Sunday, you packed out the house. Why? Because it was a feast. But there was a problem. Here's how they did the feast. They sat you according to your economic status. So the rich people had, they sat you at a marble table with fine china and gold goblets. And the poor people, they'd throw you on the floor in the back. They wouldn't even give you a chair. You sit back there. 
And so the rich people are feasting and getting drunk and the poor people at the back are still hungry because they're not even giving them any food. And Paul says, you haven't discerned the Lord's body. When he says you haven't discerned the Lord's body, he doesn't mean you didn't see it in the cracker. He means you didn't see it in the person sitting next to you. You didn't discern that that's the Lord's body you threw on the floor at the back. You didn't discern that that's the Lord's body you separated yourself from. And because you didn't discern the Lord's body in the person sitting next to you or the person sitting across the room from you, when you picked up the cracker, God said, that's not my body. It's not about seeing in the cracker the body of the Lord. It's about seeing in your neighbor the body of the Lord. That is, you did not recognize the presence of God in the people around you. And so you didn't get anything when you took that little cracker and drank that juice. So many people are praying for revelation. God, give me revelation. Open my eyes. Let me see angels. Give me revelation. Open my eyes. Let me see a vision of Jesus. Give me revelation. Open my eyes. Let me see heaven. Give me revelation. Open my eyes. Let me see miracles. Give me revelation. Open my eyes. You know the revelation God wants to give you and all of those other types of revelation are wonderful. But the fundamental foundational bit of revelation God wants to give you, he wants to open your eyes to see the presence of God in the person sitting next to you. He wants to open your eyes to see that your brothers and sisters in Christ are not just people, some whom you like and some whom you don't like. They are carriers of the presence of God. They are hosts of the presence of God. And when we learn how to host one another, we learn how to host the presence of God. If you can't host the presence of God and somebody else who sits in the room with you, you can't host the presence of God. I'm sorry. He's not going to come fill your house with glory when you're shutting out the saints. Hospitality is more than letting in other people. It is embracing the presence of God. It is honoring the presence of God. It is opening the door saying, you can come into my house. Why? Because I've discerned the Lord's body. I've, I've recognized the body of Christ. And the two things that are called the body of Christ in the New Testament are one, the bread of communion, and two, the people of God. And the bread represents what God is doing in the people to connect us one to another. And you cannot cut off the one and think you've received the other. So the prophet Elisha, he comes into this town called Shunem. It's not an Israelite town. It's occupied by Israel. And the Shunemite woman is not an Israelite. She's a foreigner. But she sees the glory of God on this man's life. She sees the presence of God in him. And she says, the scripture says she urged him to come in and share a meal. Come to my house. Please come to my house and eat. She urged him. That is, she was pursuing hospitality. She wasn't simply waiting around. Well, if he asks, I'll I'll give him a meal. Well, you know, if if we happen to be out to eat and you ain't got no money, maybe I'll spring for you. But you're going to have to get me back. She urged him to come into her house. And he went to her house in response to her urging. Why? Because he understood the power of hospitality, that it works both ways. Let me tell you something. The power of the Holy Spirit that rests upon your life will never fully activate until somebody welcomes you into their home. 
And the power of the Holy Spirit that's operating in the life of the person next to you will not fully operate until somebody invites them into their home. When I invite you into my home, I bring you into a place where God, through my hospitality, is going to activate the gift and calling and anointing He's put on your life. And you're going to see miracles that you've never seen before and that you would have never seen had you not come into my house. The prophet Elisha came into her house because he knew if I embrace this hospitality that she's offering me, there's going to be a flow of the spirit through it. There's going to be an opening of of heaven's doors through it. And God is going to do something. Why? Because somebody is offering hospitality. So Jesus says to his disciples, whatever town you go into, if someone invites you into their home, go in and eat what they set before you. Asking no questions. What'd you put in this? There's no gluten in this, is there? My wife and I went to Banda Aceh back in 2003. We went into the Muslim refugee camp. And you know what they said to us? This is a refugee camp. I mean, this is after the tsunami. Nobody has houses. They're sleeping in tents. And we walked through and we looked at these terrible conditions. No bathrooms, no toilets, just a trench. And everybody would build their little tent over the trench. You know, so you had a little part of the trench going through your little tent. So you had some privacy. And then there was just some water going through the trench. It was nasty. And you know what they said to us? Will you sleep here in the tent with us tonight? Will you stay in the camp with us? Will you spend the night with us? And we went, yeah. Sure. Oh, Lord. My wife was excited. That's her anointing. She was like, yeah. I was like, no, I need a hotel. That hotel over there, the five star, that's the anointing I flow in. I said, yeah, we'll stay here with you. Do you know that they set that tent up? It was the nicest tent. They said, there were no beds in the whole camp. You know what they did? They went out and found a a mattress for us and made a bed for us. And we went there and we had, they prepared a meal for us. And we sat around a campfire that they made in front of the tent and ate some of the nastiest stuff we had ever put in our mouths before. They said, here, here, try this. This is our delicacy. We're like, oh, nice. The name of Jesus, go down. <laughs> Stay down in Jesus' name. Hold that down. Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here, drink this. Oh, Lord. It's made with refugee camp water. And somebody might say, use wisdom. Use wisdom. Or obey the Lord. Eat what they set before you, Jesus said, asking no questions. We didn't ask no questions. We just assumed maybe it's bottled water. We don't know. We drank that juice. It did us no harm. It did us no harm. We've been to places in Africa and Ghana, in, in villages where we ate stuff they pulled out of the ground. Here, eat this. Don't even ask what it is. Just eat it. Mmm. Mmm. We asked no questions. And then we sat around that fire and somebody pulled out a guitar and started singing traditional Indonesian songs. And then they handed me the guitar and me and my wife started singing worship songs. When we slept in that tent that night, all outside around the tent, 
the elders of that village slept in a circle around the tent around us. They wanted to protect us and make sure we were safe. You know what? That Muslim refugee camp welcomed the presence of Jesus among them. When they welcomed us, they welcomed Jesus. Because Jesus said, if anyone rejects you, they've rejected me. And anybody who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. But if anybody accepts you, they accept me. And they accept the one who sent me. I'm telling you that salvation came to that camp. I'm telling you that the presence and power of God came to that camp. Why? Because they exercised hospitality. And here's the problem. The sad thing is we got a far better reception in the Muslim refugee camp than we did from the churches. And you know what? That could be said of churches in America. This woman, she says, this is a holy man of God. And so she urges him, come to my house. Let me prepare a meal for you. Why? Because she liked Elisha? No, she didn't know Elisha, but she saw the holiness of God in him. She was a foreigner. She didn't even know the Lord, but she saw something different in this man. She saw the presence of God in this man and said, I need to have you in my home. Would you please come to my home? And she prepared a mirror and shared it. And and she practiced hospitality. And you know what that word hospitality means? I looked at it in the Greek. It means fond lodging. Fond lodging. You ever been to somebody's house who didn't want you there? You just got the feeling. You know, you come to that moment in the meeting where you just feel that it's time to go. You just feel it in your spirit. Something just shifts in the atmosphere and you just know the spirit of the Lord said it's time to go. You ever ate at somebody's house who you knew didn't want you eating their food? Isn't that, un- isn't that the most uncomfortable it's like, well, why did you invite me over if you didn't want me eating your food? My wife and I had that experience one time. We were over there, and, and they kept making comments about, oh, we don't have very much food. And, oh, we don't, yeah. Are you, are you guys going to stay for dinner? And we're like, oh, we, we, well, we don't have to. We ain't got to. It's, we're not here because we're hungry. We're not here because we can't go to McDonald's and fill our own bellies with food. We thought you were extending hospitality, but if it's like that. And we were like, oh, we got to go. We had an appointment. We forgot we had this appointment. And they looked relieved. Not from here. Not nobody here. No, no. Because <laughs> if it was from here, I would have called out their name. I would have. I would have just put them on blast right here. Fond lodging. When you come into my home, you should feel that I feel honored to have you in my home. When you come into my home, it should be fond lodging. That is, you should come in and feel, I feel so welcome here. I feel like you should feel, listen, when I come to your home, I should feel that you feel it's an honor to have me in your home. And not because of me. But because the presence of God lives in me and you love hosting the presence of God. If you don't feel it's an honor to have me in your home, you have no discernment. Those people did not discern that a man and woman of God were in their home. And so they wanted us to leave. 
And you know what? I should feel honored to have you in my home. Has nothing to do with position or title. Or even accomplishments. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, it's an honor to have you in my home. Why? Because I'm hosting, I'm welcoming Jesus. I'm welcoming the presence of the Lord. I'm discerning the Lord's body. And so this woman, the scripture says, every time Elisha came to town, he went to her house to eat. Now that would get old for some of us. How come every time you come to town, you come to my house? (laughs) What, I'm supposed to feed you every time? She was honored. She was honored. The prophet comes to our house every time he comes to town. And she says this. She takes her husband aside. She says, I know that this man is a holy man of God. You hear that? You hear that? She says, so let us make a small room for him on the roof. She didn't say to her husband, since we have all this extra space, you got to make room for hospitality in your budget. If you don't have room for hospitality in your budget, your budget is wrong. It's no wonder you're broke. You better make some room for hospitality in your budget. You better set something aside and say, this is to bless somebody. This is to take somebody out to eat. This is to bring somebody into my home. Listen, bring them in and make a couple eggs and toast and put a glass of orange juice in front of them. But do something. Show hospitality. Make some room. She says to her husband, we don't have any room, so let's make some. Let's make. I want you to get out your hammer and nails and and chop some wood and make a room. And she said, let's put it on the roof. Not the basement. She didn't say, we're going to put the man of God down in the basement. And say, look, we got this, this little space in the basement. We can throw a bed down there. It's not much, but it's better than you sleeping outside. That kind of mentality just... I don't understand it. I heard people testifying, I don't throw out my used tea bags. I send them to missionaries. So I just want to stand you up against the wall and smack you. These servants of the Lord in foreign countries, let's give them our leftovers and our waste. If I got any room left in my budget, then I'll bless a servant of the Lord. She said, I'm going to make a room, but I'm going to put it on the roof, not the basement. That is, we'll put it up above us. We will honor the man of God above ourselves. Why? Because he's a holy man of God. And we're going to put the holiness of God above us, not beneath us. We will give him greater honor than we give ourselves. Why? Because of his title and his position? Because he's the prophet? No, because God dwells in him. And whenever we come into his presence, we feel the presence of God. And we want to host that presence of God. We're honoring God, not him. We're not honoring man. We're honoring God. So she says, let's make a little room on the roof and let's put a bed in it. We'll put a bed in it so that when he shows up and sees the room, he knows we want him to stay. So that he knows that he doesn't wear out his welcome with us. Now, it's possible to wear out your welcome. You know, folks who come to your house too much. Right? Yeah, the Bible does say don't wear out your welcome. You know, don't come too much. You know, the Bible says, if you bless your brother early in the morning, it'll be taken as a curse. Three o'clock in the morning. I bless you. 
I said, well, bless me at 10 or later. She said, let's put a bed in the room. Let's put a bed in the room. This com- let's find a way to communicate to him that he does not wear out his welcome with us. Yeah, yeah. Because we want him to abide. Why do we want him to abide? Because we want the presence of God that he brings to abide. We want it to rest in this house. And she said, and let's put a table there. A table so that we can set food before him so he can eat. And a table so that he can lay his books out there and study. We want the flow of the anointing. To happen in our home. We want him to do what he does in our home. We want it to happen right here. We know that he's going to get words from the Lord and write them down and deliver them to the people. Let's put a table in his room so that he can get those words from the Lord and write them down right here in our home. Whatever he does, whatever the anointing is on his life, we want it to function right here in our home. Do you ever make room for the flow of the anointing in your home? You know, one thing I learned from my pastor is whenever I go to his house... Every time he finds a moment and he says, come over here to the piano. And then he says, sit here at the piano. And I sit at the piano. He goes, then he calls his family and says, would you lead us in a, so- in a song of worship? Even if just five minutes, would you just lead us in some worship? Just, you know what? He wants the flow of the anointing that's on my life to rest in his home. Yeah. And so he looks for an opportunity wow. to activate it. When people come to your home, do you, you have to know their gifts. When you bring people into your home, you've got to know what they carry in order to know how to activate it. If somebody comes in your home and they have a gift of prophecy, make time and say, would you share with us? Do you have any word from the Lord that you want to share? Would you just, would you just do that? Would you just say a prayer of blessing over our home? If somebody comes into your house and has a gift of teaching, do you just set aside a moment and say, would you just share something with us that you've been studying and reflecting on this week? Somebody comes into your house and they've got a gift of worship. Do you find a moment to hand them a guitar and say, would you just sing a worship song and lead us in a time of worship find a way to release the anointing i want whatever's resting on your life to rest in my home i want it to be released for the benefit of my household it's going to bring something out of you she says so let's put a table there and let's put a lamp let's put a lamp and the lamp represents revelation we want him to be able to see We want revelation to flow in this house so that he begins to see in the spirit and he begins to hear the things of God. Put a lamp there and put a chair there so he can sit. And guess what happens? The prophet, he comes in and he starts dwelling there. He goes up to his little room in the roof and and she feeds him and she takes care of him. He's refreshed by her hospitality. And after a while, he comes in, lays down on his bed one day and calls his assistant. Gehazi, Gehazi, get, get in here, boy. And Gehazi comes in. I need a Gehazi. No. (laughs) Gehazi? Joseph? No. Uh, (laughs) And Gehazi? No, you are not Gehazi. (laughs) Jesus' name. I just just played that one out in my head. (laughs) Remember what happened to Gehazi? You are not Gehazi. (laughs) Jesus' name. I moved that real quick. Um, His servant comes to the door and he says, uh, call this woman. Call the Shunammite woman. And he goes, Shunammite, come up here. She comes up the stairs and she stands before Elisha. Elisha says, listen, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can we do for you? She says, I don't need anything, prophet. I didn't do it to get something from you. I I haven't been waiting all this time for you to ask me what you can do for me. 
It's enough for me simply to host the presence of the Lord. You don't know what just your presence in my home does for my home. You don't, my husband doesn't even believe. Her husband doesn't even show up in this whole thing. But prophet, you coming into my home, you've brought the presence of God. Your peace rests upon my house. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, whatever city you go into, whoever invites you into their home, go into their house. And if a man of peace is there, say, peace be unto this house and your peace will rest there. Prophet, your peace has rested here. That's all I need. That's all I need. The blessing of hosting the presence of God in the upper room. Just knowing when I come home and I see your light on in the room and know you're hearing from God. Say, wow, the prophet is hearing from God in my home. When he stands up to speak tomorrow, when he stands up to minister tomorrow, I'm going to be able to say in my heart, he received that word from the Lord in my house. That blessing rests upon. That's all I need, prophet. He says, well, can I talk to the commander for you? Can I talk to the king for you? She goes, no, I got a home amongst my own people. I'm doing fine. I don't need, I don't need any of that. I don't have any trouble. So she goes on about her business and Elisha's laying there and he goes, Gehazi, what can we do for this woman? What is Elisha doing? He's pursuing hospitality. He says, she has made a home for me. Now I got to make a home for her. I've got to find a way. To do something for her. She's gone out of her way to feed me. Now I've got to pursue hospitality. What can I do for this woman? And Gehazi says. Well she doesn't have a son. And her husband is old. (laughs) That's done. It's finished. Over. He says call her. Shunammite. She comes back to the door. <laughs> he says, one year from now, you're going to carry a son. She says, don't, don't play with me, prophet. Don't fool with me. Read the text. It's exactly what she said. Don't you fool with me. Don't be playing with my emotions like that. Don't deceive me, man of God. Have you seen my husband? You know I ain't having no kid. She didn't even believe. She wasn't even standing in faith for it. She wasn't even praying. She didn't even receive it when he spoke it over her life. She rejected it. And it said, yet she became pregnant. And one year later, she held a son. Never prayed it in a prayer. Even after receiving the word and rejecting it, it doesn't say she went downstairs and repented that she rejected and received it. She didn't believe it until it happened. Isn't it funny that God can bless you even without your believing? And what released that powerful miracle? Her hospitality. The gift of hospitality demanded a miracle on her behalf. Even though she wasn't even looking for one. When she invited the presence of God into her home through the prophet, the presence of God went on a search and destroy mission in her life. Went looking for something to bless, something to break through. The presence of God was searching her home until it found that place where she needed breakthrough and blessing. And she didn't even have the faith to ask for it. But it was her hospitality that demanded a blessing. 
She never asked for it. So often the saints of God are demanding blessing in the prayer closet. God, you bless me like Jacob wrestling on the other side of the river. I will not let you go till you bless me, which is ridiculous. God shows up and Jacob jumped him. You ever stop to think about what that must have looked like? God comes. I'm here to bless. Okay, you're trying to tackle me. Is this real? Is this real? And so God just starts wrestling with him. He's getting up again. Jacob, this can't be real. You, you, you really don't want to wrestle me, do you? You want to fight me? I came here. And he's going, I did not. I will not let you go till you bless me. Did it ever stop and dawn on you that I might have just come to bless you? Why do you think I'm here to fight you? You think I came down from, you think the father was sitting in heaven going, Jesus, do you think I can take him? Let's see if Papa still got it. Come on, Jacob. And it says he wrestled him all night long. And when the morning came, he finally touched his hip and broke it. It said he broke his hip by touching it. Snap. Do you give up now? Yes, I give up. Thank God. I bless you. He had to break his hip to get him to yield. The blessing of God does not come through your wrestling. It doesn't come through your struggling. It comes through your yielding. But if you won't yield to God, he will break you. For so long I've heard, we've said, I've even taught before, God wants to break you. No, he doesn't. God does not want to break you. I don't want to break my daughter. I'm not walking around going, one day I'm going to break her hip and then I'm going to bless her. Why do we project that onto God? Jacob's the only person that God had to snap a limb to bless him. Why? Because he would not yield. This one, and so many believers are like that in the prayer closet, just wrestling. Oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, God, I'm wrestling for the blessing, but refusing hospitality. Won't fellowship with anybody. Never invited any of the saints. Won't refresh the hearts of the saints. Can't recognize the holiness of God and the brothers and sisters that are sitting right around me. But just go back into the prayer closet and wrestle. Listen, you begin to open your home. You begin to exercise hospitality. You begin to prepare a place for others. That gift of hospitality. That gift of hospitality is the only gift that the Father is going to function in. In the end. Because one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples was, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know what the coming of the Lord is? It is the Father's gift of hospitality. And who does he invite into that? Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said at the end of the age, the king will seat the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And he will say to the sheep, enter now into the reward of your father. Why? Because I was hungry and you fed me hospitality. I was naked and you clothed me. Hospitality. 
I was sick and you ministered to me. Hospitality. I was homeless and you took me in. Hospitality. I was in prison and you visited me. Hospitality. He did not say I was sick and you healed me. You laid your hands on me and healed me. He did not say you got 16 words of knowledge. No, 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 no. He says hospitality. And then they say to him, the righteous will say to them, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you bereft and take you in? When did we see you in prison and visit you sick and minister to you? And he'll say to them, when you did it to the least of these brothers of mine. And who are his brothers? Remember, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, your mother and brothers are outside. And he said, who is my mother and brothers except those who do the will of my father? He says, when you do it to the least of these brothers of mine who do the will of my father, these saints in the house, when you look around the house of God and look for somebody who's hungry and feed them. When you look around the body of Christ and look for somebody naked and clothe them. When was the last time you saw somebody wearing the same shirt week after week and took them aside and said, give me your neck size and your sleeve size. I got to hook you up, brother. I can't let the presence of God walk around in that cheap clothing. I can't let the presence of God walk around hungry. I got to feed it. I can't let the presence of God sleep out in the cold. I got to take it in. I can't let the presence of God sit at the back on the floor while I sit at a marble table with a gold goblet. I can't do that to the presence of God. And it, it isn't even about you. I don't care if I like you or don't like you. You are a carrier of the presence of God. And so I've got to find a way to honor the presence of God. I got to find a way to host the presence of God. I got to find a way to take it into my house and make room for it. And this is why the early church devoted themselves not only to the large group gatherings, daily gathering in the temple courts to hear the teaching of the apostles, but they also gathered from house to house, house to house. They were looking for ways to refresh the saints. They were looking for ways to take somebody in and say, you're welcome in my home. Come into my home. You are welcome into my home. Come into my home. I've got to invite you in. And in this way, I'm embracing the presence of God, the glory of God. Oh, the gift of hospitality is powerful. The gift of hospitality is powerful. We need to, we need to add this to the list. We actually need to put it at the top of the list in this season. I know we're praying for miracles, but put the gift of hospitality at the top of the list. I know we're praying for signs and wonders, but put the gift of hospitality. We're praying for the glory of God to be released. I'm not saying stop praying for any of that stuff. Keep praying for it, but pursue the gift of hospitality. Chase it down. The gift of hospitality. It's a powerful gift. This is why Jesus said, even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, yeah. it's not going to lose its reward. Amen. That's it. Even the simplest act of hospitality, mm-hmm. it doesn't lose its reward. That's it. But it's got to be practiced in the house before it's practiced outside of the house. God has so much that he's ready to release through you. But this is the way. This is how we build the fellowship of the burning heart. We pursue hospitality. We pursue it. We chase it down. We pursue hospitality. And this is how we prepare ourselves to partake of the body and blood of the Lord. This is what gives power to the cracker 
and the juice when we do gather to take communion. That we have discerned the Lord's body all week long. And now when we pick up the cracker and the juice, it's more than a cracker and juice. But we hear the Lord say, this is my body. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're speaking to us. And I pray that you'd give us revelation. That understanding would settle in on every heart and every mind. I know today that this is the word of the Lord. You want to open our eyes. You want to cause us to see one another in a way that we've never seen one another before. Some of us here today have never seen ourselves as holy ones. Saints. Because of that, we've never seen anybody else in that way either. Or if we do, we see them as so far beyond us. We could never find fellowship there. But God, I pray today that you'd open our eyes. And that you'd cause us to see your holiness as it resides in the beloved. That we would be commended the way Philemon was commended by Paul. Who said your hospitality has refreshed the saints brother the saints have been refreshed by your hospitality the saints the holy ones you've refreshed the holy ones and I say to each and every one of you today that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you are holy ones you have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ by the blood and body of the Lord but we've got to learn how to look for ways to refresh the holy ones to pursue hospitality and to fellowship with the needs of the saints pursuing hospitality we fellowship with the needs of the saints when we recognize the saints as more than folks who go to the same church as me but as holy ones who host the presence of God Father I speak your blessing over this house this morning and I just release that power of hospitality, that gift of hospitality. And I want you to just begin to ask God for it right now. Give me that gift of hospitality. Give me that gift of hospitality. God, give this church the gift of hospitality. Lord, let this be the most hospitable church in the Bay Area. Give us the gift of hospitality as a house. May a spirit of hospitality rest on this house. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. We receive it, God. We receive it, God. We receive it. 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 We thank you for it, God. We're going to eat its fruit now. We give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a shout of praise?